Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, Bailey Hancock here. Today I have a guest who is zooming in from the mountains of Idlewild in her amazing cozy sanctuary. I have leisure expert Rachel May Furman, who is the founder of Brand and Spirit on today. And Rachel is one of my mini camp friends that I'm now having on the podcast because they're the best kind of people. Yes, camp forever. Camp forever, even though it's over so sad. But yeah, so I'm excited to have Rachel on to chat about her wild and fun and crazy journey uh, in her own career. And then to tell us a little bit about, you know, personal branding and how we can leverage that for our own career story. So Rachel, welcome to Thanks. Happy Love to be it. here. <laughs> yeah. So I always like to kick this off with what did little Rachel want to be when she grew up? Do you remember? Oh gosh. Um, well, I know when everybody else was drawing pictures of like rainbows and animals and um, flowers and things. I was always drawing um, floor plans. What? So, <laughs> I always wanted to decorate houses. That was like my, you know, I wanted to design. I had such OCD about it too, where all the furniture would go and I would do it on graph paper. And so, yeah, I was, I was a little strange in that sense as a kid. Where do you think you learned that from? Um, oh gosh, I don't even know. Like, how did I know what a blue plume right. was? <laughs> oh, where did that come from? I have a past life apparently because uh, I have no idea. <laughs> of course, obviously. Yeah. Okay. And so did you ever dabble in interior design as an adult? Well, I, I mean, considering I consider myself a leisure expert, I feel like making my home exactly how I love it and making it perfect um, to, you know, for whatever scenario um, I want it for. Um, I, you know, I'm really into styling my home and it's part of my personal brand, taking pictures of my home and sharing that. It is that. beautiful, you guys, by the way. Thank you. So follow Rachel on Instagram. I mean, yes. I even named my house. Like how, I mean, I can't stop. I'm a personal branding person, but so I've dabbled in it. Um, and it's also gotten me a couple apartments in my life, um, which maybe is a good lesson to note that. Um, you know, I was applying for a couple apartments and there were 20 different people applying for the same apartment. You know how it is in LA. Yep. So I literally like in Photoshop <laughs> went so psycho. My landlord still laughs about it, but I like drew out the floor plan of how I wanted to decorate my apartment. And I wrote her a letter and I even made a mood board of what it was going to look like. And I sent it to her and I was like, might not have the best credit of this list, but <laughs> this is what I'm going to do with your place. So, and I ended up getting it. So that is brilliant. Yes. Oh my so God. I do. So I'm, I'm still kind of obsessed with decorating and um, styling. I just have never really officially um, gone to school for it, but who needs to do that? Well, exactly. That's such a good point. Like just because you don't have a degree in something by no means makes you less qualified oh to actually gosh. do it in your life. I'm the queen of that. <laughs> I'm the queen of that. I, you know, I ended up dropping out of college my last year. I was like, I'm done with this. And <laughs> ever since I've never really done the education part to get somewhere. I've just kind of been like, you know what? I feel like I'm into this right now. And I feel like I'm kind of good at it. So I'm just going to say I do it. 
So, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a good lesson for life too, right? Like you don't, you don't have to have permission from somebody. I mean, granny, you're not going into operating rooms being like, you know what? <laughs> I've kind of got this itch. I'd, I'd love like, to I could do your accounting. I could do your taxes. I feel like I'm kind of good at it. <laughs> right. No. I mean, no. so long as you stay in the lanes of creativity and that I, there is no reason that you should have to wait to be approved to do something. You can always just start doing it. That's a really Absolutely. Good yeah. I mean, anything like writing, um, doing your own photos, you know, you don't have to be a professional photographer to feel like, you know what, I could take a good picture. I'm going to use my own. Right. Um, so yeah, I think I, I live by that for sure. That's great. And so you still found a way to incorporate that into your life. And, and Rachel is fantastic at setting the scene of parties and the vibe and the experience. That's mm -hmm. definitely like one of your superpowers for sure. Thank you. You know, I officially just on my Instagram added um, vibes specialist. Oh, well, I can vouch for you happily. <laughs> so I love that you just said vibes. A friend of mine said that. She's like, I just want to hire you to like create the vibes. Yeah. I'm like I'm going to put vibes specialist as one of my uh, titles. Just fuck it, right? Which <laughs> <laughs> that's another good point. I mean, as so far right now, my titles that I am, am using, I guess on a business card, even though I don't really use business cards, but I have leisure expert, um, home enthusiast, and vibes specialist. So I feel like, you know, you could really make this stuff up. Um, I do it all the time. <laughs> I feel like you and I are very similar in that whole like, screw it. I'm just going to make up a new title for myself. Yeah. I was like, I'm pretty into my home right now. I'm homebodying really hard. Maybe that can turn into something. So I'm just going to say I'm a home enthusiast. <laughs> so, you know, gosh, if they need an influencer who's really into home life, like they're going to be like, Oh, Rachel, she's a home enthusiast. Oh, I've, I've heard, I've totally heard of that before. Right. <laughs> like when you see titles like that, you're like, yeah, of course, a home enthusiast. Obviously. Yes. And you're like, wait, what, what the hell does that mean? Yes. Well, I've been, I've been using leisure expert for a while and that started a couple years ago. And um, I was in the liquor business at the time, so I was doing a lot of, you know, like making drinks and cocktails and curating events and things like that. So, um, but I was also into taking photos. I was into home life. I was into, you know, it was kind of the opposite of party. Mm -hmm. So I was like, how do I put this all into one title? Um, I'm not really just about events. So I started to say leisure expert. And I said it one time as a joke. I needed, I think I needed to fill out a form. Like sure. I did. And it was like, what's your title? I was like, I don't know, leisure expert. And then um, they introduced me as, oh, this is leisure expert, Rachel May Furman. And I was like, I like the sound of that. I'm into so, it. <laughs> so it stuck. So now I'm, I mean, I've gotten jobs as a leisure expert. I was hired to, um, someone was doing a photo shoot and it was kind of a lifestyle photo shoot. And they basically wanted me to come and make it look like it was good vibes. And like, there was maybe a party going on. So they had me come and be a stylist. I've never styled a photo shoot before, but I was the leisure expert. So I feel like you're the queen of not even faking it till you make it. Because <laughs> there is an element of that, right? Where you're like, of sure. course, I'm this thing, of course you should hire me and pay me to do this thing. Like, okay. sure. Mm -hmm. But it's not really faking it because you're following your intuition and you're following what feels good for you in that moment and fully embracing it. And therefore yeah. you're great at it. I think it's just a matter of like deciding, 
It's, um, it's not really like, again, you said you don't have to have permission to call yourself that. You don't have to have some degree or certificate or something to call you that. Um, so for me, it was more like, okay, I know that I'm good at this. I've had people give me feedback like, wow, you're really good at this. Or I've helped a friend with something and they're like, you know, that was great. So um, I think as long as it's something you are pretty confident that you're good at, I think it's just deciding like, this is something I'm going to be available for hire for. Mm. So it's, um, you know, and, and that's the other thing you may, if you put it out there, you may get 10 clients, you might get zero clients. Nobody knows. Right. This is so true. <laughs> Nobody knows. So you put it out there in hopes that maybe it'll resonate with somebody. And even if you get one client, great. Then you have money. one client and money for say, something you like. Yeah. And you get to say that you were that leisure expert, whatever. So, yeah. um, so for me, I, I'm a big fan of just putting it out there, expecting the best, you know, it's expect that this is going to resonate with somebody. There's somebody who knows me, who understands that I'm good at this. Who's like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Um, so trusting that somebody's going to see it, but even if they don't, there's no real humiliation factor because no. nobody knows if you got a client or not. So for me, that was like a big hurdle of getting over a fear of putting myself out there. It's like nobody knows if you're doing 10 of these projects or not. They just know, oh, she does that. You right. Know? That comes up a lot with me because, you know, I do a lot of speaking gigs and my goal is always like, you know, 70% of them paid. That would be cool. Right. But I love it no matter what. So that's fine. I can always find a reason to do it. But I was chatting with somebody about this this week, like to the outside person looking in, they don't know if I'm getting paid or not for these. And mm -hmm. so if somebody's sitting in the audience and they're like, oh, we want to hire her, they don't know if I've been paid $5,000 for that gig or zero. And so in their mind, it's still totally open. So exactly. And it's totally worth it right. on, on for, you know, for building your brand and doing what you do. Exactly. Yeah. So have you, have you always kind of had this mentality or is this something as you've aged, you've embraced? Yeah. Um, I think I've always had it. I think I've always had a mentality of just getting paid to be me and, dream. <laughs> but you know, then me changes dramatically from year to year, you know, depending on influences, depending on where you live. So, um, so I've always tried to kind of roll with the punches in that sense and be very adaptable. And just because I've been doing something for a year or two or 10 um, doesn't mean that I can't, you know, turn, um, evolve a little bit, turn another path, change it a little bit. Um, so, so for me, that has been the importance of building personal brand because to me, personal brand means the core. So yeah. Whichever way you're pivoting, you know, you could, you can make a 90 degree turn if you want to, if your personal brand is solid and if you kind of know who you are and know what you're doing, know what you're into and are able to project that, um, to the world. That's the important part, you know, right. being able to, um, show that, you know, this is what I stand for. This is who I am. This is what I do. So that even if you go from, you know, one project and then you totally pivot another way, um, mm -hmm. people aren't like, whoa, where did the Ra old Rachel go? Or like, right. whoa, that's a drastic change. It's, it's just kind of, you know, it makes it, makes the, makes it just an evolution um, totally. instead of like a big change. I mean, that's the entire premise of the one year career. It's about 
recognizing, you know, what makes you happy today and what makes you feel fulfilled today, because to your point, you do change. I mean, some people change quicker than others. Some people it's like every 10 years they need a refresh. Mm-hmm. I think people like us are for better or worse, a lot shorter of a time frame. Oh yeah. Maybe every year, but yeah. to your point, it's like, how do you, how do you stay true to yourself and to your values and to who you are as a person and like your general why? And then let the how be what changes from, you know, year to year or decade to decade. Yeah, totally. Like it's going to still be very Bailey, whatever you do. (laughs) It's funny. I recently had this, I went to a branding workshop actually, and I realized my through line is collaboration. In every job I've ever had, the way that I went about it was working with others and finding the middle piece on the Venn diagram. And now I'm like, oh, this makes perfect sense. So whatever Mm -hmm. I do professionally, Personally, from here on out, I know that there will always involve, there will always be other people involved and we'll, you know, combine our resources to make something great happen together. But that never occurred to me till very, very, very recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, and that's leisure. It's like leisure is the one thing that brings it all together in the Venn diagram because whether I was in the liquor business before doing brand building and building brands that just happen to be liquor brands, um, but maybe you know, around that time, I was like, well, I'm not even really hanging out at bars anymore. I'm not even really drinking that much. I, you know, this doesn't really feel right for me anymore. Um, And so I ended up going into more um, branding for like hotels and restaurants. And then I got into, you know, doing a lot of um, travel and camping and glamping type stuff. So the thing that holds it all together is it's still all leisure. It's like, so I established myself that I'm an expert at branding in leisure type brands. Um, So it, it allowed me to completely or almost completely exit the liquor business, which I wasn't as into as much anymore. And it allowed me to pivot into, well, now I'm living in the mountains. Now I'm all about camping and outdoor stuff. So now I'm getting clients that are more like outdoor adventure type clients instead of a whiskey company. So, but again, I haven't changed. I'm still like Rachel, who's really into leisure and entertaining and um, vibes and all of that. And it's just now I, another industry that I'm kind of applying that to. So how have you continuously made these minor transitions, even though your core principles are the same, your overall brand is the same and your, your how is what's changing. How do you kind of manage that communication to your existing community? Because from the outside looking in, you know, we always think people are paying a lot more attention to us than they are. Yeah. How have you communicated these minor shifts throughout, you know, your career? I guess for me, it's about, um, talking about the new stuff that I'm doing, not really mentioning that I'm not doing the old Mm -hmm. stuff anymore. So it becomes just a gradual transition. Maybe even in my social media, you're seeing less and less of the liquor posts that I used to post a lot of, but they're still kind of in there a little bit because I might have one or two clients I'm still consulting for. So for me, it's less about announcing that you're not doing something anymore and feeling like you have to communicate that and more just talking about and focusing on the newer stuff that you're doing. And then just, um, you know, you may still have some clients from the old. And that also has been the key in my transitions. Um, I've never stopped completely what I was doing before to start something new because it does take a minute for things to get rolling for, you know, the newer clients. Um, So I've, uh, I've always put it out there that you know, I'm looking for this new client or I'm, you know, start talking to different people or pitching to different people, but I'm not going to announce like, by the way, 
if a liquor company wants something, don't ever come to me anymore because I still have 20 years of experience in, in that and, you know, valuable knowledge. So for me, it's less about announcing or feeling like you have to communicate your change and just really focusing on the newer stuff and just talking a little less about the older stuff. Nobody notices. God, it's so true. It's, you really can control the narrative of your life and people's attention spans are so short mm-hmm. that, you know, it, I always worry about my people getting whiplash with me, right? Like being like, wait, what are you doing? Hold on. Didn't you, weren't you just doing this? Right. But in reality, people don't really remember what you were doing two years ago. They only know what you're presenting to them today. So that's a really smart strategy for going about it. Thanks. Well, and the other thing I think too is as far as not leaving the old behind, you can evolve it the slightest bit. Um, And for example, in the liquor industry, that was instead of me throwing events and having to be at the bar all the time and being more of a face to these brands, I went behind the scenes and started, I wanted to create content more. Mm. So I really positioned myself to all of these, this great network that I had built. Um, I still reached out to them and pitched stuff to them, but it was more like, Hey, why don't I create content for your social media? So I'm still being an expert in that um, field, but I just shifted it the slightest bit to, you know, now I want to be a little bit behind the scenes and behind the camera rather in front of it. Um, so I didn't lose all that I had built for, for 20 years, but I made it work for me and what I'm into now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think the thing people get hung up on when making a transition is starting over or yeah. feeling like their past experience no longer matters. Totally. And I, you, you and I had a conversation months ago and I, you put it very well. It's like, you didn't want to give up that 20 years, but that shouldn't also be an anchor for you, right? Yeah. Like you shouldn't let what you've done so far in your life dictate what you're going to do from here on out. That's silly. We often let our 18 year old selves make all these future decisions for Mm -hmm. future us. And it's like, God, that girl didn't know shit (laughs) about this version, you know? So I think that's why the one year career mentality of checking in with yourself, at least on a yearly basis to take stock and be like, wait, is this still making me happy? Is this Mm -hmm. still leveraging my skill set? Is this still like putting me on a path towards something that I'm continuously excited about? Mm-hmm. Or is it time to make one of those little shifts, whether it's 45 degrees, 90 degrees, 180 degrees, mm-hmm. it's just good to get real with yourself and check in. Yeah. And to that point, I think it's so important also to just have downtime and time for leisure. Um, you know, I think so often we'll feel burnout, which is normal for everybody. And we feel like, okay, I have to make this major shift and change, or I have to, you know, make a career change. And it's like, you may be at that point, but also if you just actually on the weekend, put your phone down or took a trip or, um, you know, didn't check your email when you, um, got home at night, um, (laughs) if you did any of the normal things that we're supposed to do to like enjoy life, like you, you may be reinvigorated in that way as well. So I think that's an important first check-in even before um, you're, you're thinking of like, what is the move or what is the next move? Like, is there some thing that you can do even like a hobby that would make you enjoy life more so that your day job was like, Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty cool here. I'm happy this week. Um, So I think that people really underestimate the importance of downtime, leisurely things, things that have absolutely nothing to do with forwarding our career, um, and that that ends up being the thing that you know, re-inspires you. A hundred percent. I am, 
I'm in theory great at leisure and in reality, not so great at leisure mm -hmm. because I'm definitely one of those push, push, push people. And it is in those moments of downtime. I think my best thinking last year happened when I went on my honeymoon because I was mm -hmm. essentially off the grid for 10 days. I mean, off the grid meant I wasn't working, but I was still on my phone, but I had so much downtime and I was able to, to really kind of feel refreshed when I came home and excited about my work, not burn out with it because it's usually not the work. It's how you're going about the work. That's actually mm -hmm. the problem. Well, also we just never give us, give ourselves a chance to even hear ourselves think nope. every moment is filled. And so, um, you know, you probably are thinking some things that you haven't even noticed yet. <laughs> oh yeah. If I don't do my morning mindfulness where I just, sit for 30 minutes and drink mm -hmm. my coffee and you know sometimes i'll meditate but frankly i find the times when i'm just sitting there in silence with my coffee and no cell phone like staring out at the birds mm -hmm. those are the moments when all of a sudden like it takes about three minutes and then all of a sudden it's like all of my thoughts that i've crammed into the back of my brain are all rushing to the front at once they're like oh we get a chance to say something can i talk can i talk and i'm like all right one at a time one at a time <laughs> And I literally get out my pen and have a notebook and like furiously like scribble these thoughts down because they're also like excited to have a chance to have their moment in the spotlight because mm -hmm. they have to sit in the back of the room while like my brain takes over, you know, and doesn't They're jumbled. It. Yes. They are. They're always jumbled. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite books was The Art of Stillness by mm -hmm. um, Pico Iyer. I think I, I gave you that, um, that link. You should look it up. Yeah, I will. But, um, but yeah, it just talks about um, it, how in those moments of stillness or boredom, you know, that mm. we're so afraid of boredom and, um, but it's in those moments of stillness that we even have a moment to process and work out the puzzle that's in our mind, that's all jumbled. Um, so sometimes, you know, and just to apply that to our lives, I think sometimes people get so, um, anxious about, okay, what's my next move? What do I have to do? What, you know, um, and how can I move forward that sometimes the answer is like, do absolutely nothing and step back for a second. And the more you're like looking for the answer, you're not going to find it. The people I talk to who have made really cool, big moves in their careers, the com and successfully, the common, the common theme between all of them is they all gave themselves space between one thing to the next to just figure out what that next thing should be. Mm -hmm. you know, not everybody has the luxury of taking like six months off from working, but you don't, I don't think you need that long generally, you know, mm -hmm. you, really, you just need maybe even like a weekend where yeah. you mm -hmm. are disconnected from your phone. Maybe you go to the mountains, you go to a cabin and with shitty Wi-Fi, so that you're forced to just sit with yourself and, mm -hmm. you know, reflect. But having time to not feel rushed from one big thing to the next is crucial for mm -hmm you know, this process being sustainable year mm -hmm. in. And out. Yeah. Well, and I also think our, our little habits and little details in our everyday, um, have, have the opportunity to, um, give us, you know, not only give us those moments, but really, um, give you the time every day to think and kind of making it a ritual. And, um, I, I mean, a perfect example is, um, my shower is like everything to my day. I like, look forward, <laughs> I look forward. I never, I, I shower at night. I always just like candles. I never, ever have a light on. Um, and for me, it's like my ritual. I look forward to it every day. And that's where no matter what, it's not like I'm in there and the lights are on and I'm like, Oh, I have a task. Let me shampoo real quick and condition real quick. It's like, this is my meditation time because 
as much as I try, I never get up and meditate in the morning. It just doesn't fit into my, my lifestyle. So the shower has become my time to just like relax and think and have that downtime. And so again, it doesn't even always have to be a whole weekend. It doesn't even have to be a whole getaway or anything. It can be like every day you're giving yourself time for that um, and headspace so that it's going to, um, you know, make that puzzle come together for you. Yeah. We, we don't give ourselves, you know, we shut down our computers, but we don't often shut down ourselves, um, Mm -hmm. or refresh ourselves. I, when I'm good, when I'm in the zone with my Mm -hmm. self care and all of that, I go on like a 45 minute walk every day. And the only reason I bring my phone is if, and usually I have an idea, I have lots of ideas that come up the moment. Again, I stop talking Mm -hmm. and thinking and just let my brain present whatever it feels like. And I only bring my phone to, I'll shoot myself an email with each individual thought and I'll be Mm -hmm. like, okay, deal with this later so that I don't get so wrapped up on remembering them. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm just learning about um, kinetic learners, which is like people who need to be moving to process information. That's like where the fidget spinner thing comes in. I don't have one, but I've always rolled my eyes at it. And I'm like, maybe that would be really good for me because I definitely process information best when moving. Oh my gosh. I'm the absolute opposite. (laughs) I need total stillness and I need like nobody else in the room because then their energy affects mine, you know, and I, I need to be completely by myself, no music, completely silent. And then I'm like, now I can think. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I think it's so cool. The different ways in which people learn and process information and, mm-hmm. and you can't know that about yourself until you give yourself a chance to do that. And yeah. so, again, I mean, I love the leisure expert thing because every time I'm having a chaotic life moment, I always picture Rachel and I'm like, Rachel would tell me to make a drink and sit on a fucking porch and just relax. <laughs> I love that. That's branding. <laughs> it's branding. You're killing it, my friend. No, it's, it's so true because I think, um, you know, the one year career, yeah, it's about like every year kind of checking in with yourself, but it's so not the only check-in point you're supposed to do. Sure. And frankly, and the same thing back to the whole, give yourself a weekend or time off. If you're waiting for a week to suddenly appear in your schedule to give yourself time to think, it may never come or you're going to kill yourself in the process of waiting for that time to show up. So for you, whatever that means, Mm -hmm. wherever you can find that moment of stillness, I love the idea of it being when you're showering because- You have to do Something that. you got to do anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hopefully it's, we're all doing it. <laughs> it's therapeutic. It's relaxing. If you let it be. My husband's the same way. His shower time is like his sanctuary. And <sighs> he just like sits down in there and gets comfy. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing in there? And he's like, it's my time. He like plays music. Yes. Yeah. And I, I never ever turn. I swear, if you shower in the dark from now on, only with candles, it will be life changing. I mean, it sounds delightful. I don't think I've had the light on when I showered in like years. Wow. Years. Yeah. So never. this is a very ingrained practice for you. Yeah. This because again, it's the one that I know that I will do. Yeah. I don't have to beat myself up for not doing it. You know, like meditation. I'm like, oh, why can't I just get up and meditate? It'd be so yeah. good. It's like you have to figure out how things can work for you or else you're going to spend eternity beating yourself up about not doing it. <laughs> it's so dumb. We all do that. I mean, I, I have this grand plan of what my perfect day looks like and I hit it maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest of the week, I'm like, oh, damn it. I didn't get to my morning mindfulness. Crap. I didn't go on my walk. Ugh, I didn't go to the gym. Like, 
instead of just fully embracing whatever you're doing and wherever you are at that moment. So it keeps us in this perpetual state of non-presence, which frankly is not good for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that just, um, that was making me think of, um, I was, I think it's important to apply this also to um, the process and how that, how you work Mm -hmm. and checking in on, you know, if there are the little things that drive you crazy, instead of beating yourself up perpetually for not doing it or not liking it, or instead of dreading it, um, there are ways to just shift in the slightest bit to make that work for you. Mm -hmm. And my example would be, um, you know, I've always loved doing creative work. I love creating content. Um, I manage social media for some clients. I love curating creative things. Um, So, but the thing that I really, that was not my favorite is the account management part. Mm. But as a freelancer, you have to manage your accounts. You are the one in, in, in charge, you know, and, and, and in contact with your clients. Um, so I really thought of, I would, I would dread that part, you know, I would dread the like keeping in touch and the keeping the recaps and, um, but I would love to do the content. So I'm like, how do I continue doing this, but make it work for me instead of perpetually beating myself up that I'm not good at this. Um, so what I did was I reached out to all of my friends who have agencies and I pitched for them, like utilize me to do this job for your clients. So basically keep me as like a secret in your back pocket. Nobody needs to know I did the work. No, you know, it's, it's, it's um, their clients, but I'm getting all of this work pitched to me. And then the only people I have to keep in touch with are my friends who have the agency. Ooh, that's <laughs> and that's fun because then I'm like, I'm, I'm great keeping in touch with my friends, see what's going on. Um, they're the ones I want to have the call with, right. not necessarily the client. So I didn't change anything about what I do. I just really thought about the one part that drove me nuts and I figured out a way to make it fun. So so I feel like you can do that in so many aspects of your work and you don't have to um, avoid doing projects like that just because you hate the one part, you know, just think about how can I eliminate that one part and really just offer the part that I like. Um, And so then you're, you know, you're, it's otherwise it's going to perpetually drive you nuts. You're never going to auto like all of a sudden like it. (laughs) No, that's, and that's an important thing to hear as an entrepreneur and freelancers out there. Like you don't love every piece of your job, no matter what job you have, you, there's no way you love every single solitary part of it. My, the bane of my existence used to be timesheets for Mm -hmm. when I worked at an ad ad agency, timesheets and expense reports felt like (gasps) the worst way to spend my life. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just, there was no way around that though. Well, I have, I have an example. I actually teach this in my workshop. Um, and one of my packages, when we talk about how to create a lifestyle to support what you want to do. Um, I mean, the first step is really recognizing like, okay, that is the part that I despise. I'm recognizing it. I'm realizing it. You dread it, you procrastinate it, and then you do a shitty job. So, um, so (laughs) finances was, um, my example too. I hated doing my expenses at my old job. It was like the worst thing. I had piles and piles of receipts. So what, and my friend did too, we would like complain about it every week. So what, um, I thought about, okay, well, what are the things I do like? You know, I love setting vibes. I love like, <laughs> I love picking out the perfect outfit for the day. I love like cooking. So it might seem like, well, how does any of that stuff have to do with um, expenses? Well, 
I declared finance day once a month. So like every month I would put on my calendar, it's finance day. And so my friend and I, I mean, very sarcastically, but it really worked. We were like, all right, we're going to pick out the perfect outfit for finance day. <laughs> we would, you know, like we're going to wear a pencil skirt and a secretary blouse and just feel like stereotypical finance day. And um, we thought, okay, well, what music are we going to be playing while we do our expenses? Like, okay, this is going to be our playlist for the day. What are we going to be drinking on finance day? So we got a bottle of champagne. And so we made it like, okay, we hate doing expenses so much. We're going to make it like we're celebrating a, a party. <laughs> and that's when we're going to sit and do our expenses together. So that's the greatest of, thing I've ever heard in my life. Instead of, <laughs> instead of dreading finances, we were looking forward to finance day. Finance day was going to be fun. You know, we were going to be dressed in our perfect outfits. We were going to have something to drink. And we even thought of like, what's going to be the reward? We're, go we're going out to dinner afterwards. So where are we going to go out to dinner? So we just scheduled it in and like made that motherfucker work. <laughs> so smart. So smart. You are, you are a damn leisure expert, Rachel McFerman, <laughs> a brand buyback leisure expert if I've ever known one. Thank you. But yeah, we just, you have to make it work for you because if it's not fun, you're never going to like doing it. So like you have to figure it out. You have to figure out um, why it will work for you. That's brilliant. I well, think that's, that's just a brilliant thing for your life and your work. <laughs> Thank you. But again, that's why knowing your brand is so important. And you know, when I say knowing your brand, I'm not just talking about your, your work persona. Mm -hmm. Like to me, your personal brand is how you tick, how you operate, what you like, what you don't like. Um, and it could be a hobby that you feel like has no relation to what it is that you do, but it still makes you who you are. So being aware of those things, um, you know, say you're in finance and you really want to make that one day fun that you dread. Um, so you make a little party out of it. So like you wouldn't think that that leisure part had anything to do with your work, but you can apply it. Um, so I feel, I, I call it immersing yourself into everything you do. In my workshop, one of the things we talk about is like assess yourself and then immerse yourself. So the whole idea is knowing what you like, how you operate, what things inspire you. And then like, how do you be the most you in those situations? So even though finances were so not me, I made it very me by making a little party about it, having a cocktail and, you know, wearing the perfect outfit. That's so good. Okay. Well, this is a great segue into, into personal brand and how it kind of weaves its way into your personal life, your business life, your career, all of that. So mm -hmm. how... I, this is something that comes up a good amount with people when they are looking to transition into something new. Mm -hmm. How do you work with your clients or what do you suggest when people are like going from say fashion to mm -hmm. a totally different industry, say like event management or something like that or nonprofits? How do you help people really narrow in on what that personal brand is or that personal brand mm -hmm. message so that when they're writing say a cover letter for this job, where the hiring manager might be like, well, this person doesn't match, you know, this description. Yeah. Do you have that scenario come up with any of your clients? Um, yeah, we, and it comes up a lot. And the way that I um, deal with it is really through social media as a template. Mm. And so, um, so one of my packages is all about figuring out how to project yourself. And um, we use social media as the tool, but interestingly, it's really, 
um, by using social media just as the way to like organize our thoughts and our categories and our story, we're really figuring out what is our story. Hmm. So you really spend time thinking about what are the different threads of our story. And, you know, your story can have six or seven different threads to it. And one can be your work life and career. One can be a hobby that you have in your personal life. Um, another can be, and this is where it's a good example for what you were talking about, is, you know, say you want to get into event planning, but you don't have the experience. Well, if one of your story threads that you're projecting on your social media is all of the event planning you're doing at home, or for friends or again like a volunteer job that nobody knows if you're getting paid or not um, if you have that storyline as one of your stories not only on your social media but in your own mind mm. then you're going to believe more that you are part of that newer industry or that segue that you want to do you have to believe it first before you're able to convince anybody else so true so, yeah so I think it's really weaving it in weaving it into your story before you are even a professional at it and not being afraid to say, I plan events. Even though you're not a professional event planner yet, maybe you don't have paid clients yet, you have planned your own events and you have enjoyed it, which is why you want to get into it in the first place. So not being afraid to say, this is something that I do. I am an event planner. Yeah. Um, and not waiting for the first client to feel like you have like you have to have that first client before you can say that you do it. Yeah, I think the imposter syndrome really runs a lot of us ragged and mm -hmm. keeps us from probably sharing gifts that we have that we just simply don't feel enough qualified like we don't feel qualified enough to share. Mhm. Mm yeah, we compare Correct. ourselves, well I'm not you know, I'm not like a blogger and I don't take the best pictures ever. So I can't even post anything on Instagram or I'm going to be like mortified. That's, um, that's what I deal with a lot with my clients of getting over those mental hurdles of it's not really about hating Instagram or being like, I don't want to get into social media. It's so corny. It's really about, it's, it's, it's hurting you inside to realize that you are feeling self-conscious doing it or that you are feeling imposter syndrome. So, um, you know, sometimes the process of getting someone to, uh, to do their social media well ends up being like a therapy, a six week therapy session Seriously. Of, of getting through all of these hurdles and, um, and acknowledging them and just being like, okay, what I'm doing right now is that trying to be a perfectionist. So I feel like I can't even post a photo because I feel like it has to be perfect and I don't look like a blogger. Mm. Like, you know, not everybody's trying to be a blogger. You can still post nice pictures and, um, and, you know, have Instagram be a great tool for you without feeling like you have to be an influencer with, you know, 80,000 followers. I mean, the pressure is real. <laughs> it's serious. I, and I, you know, I struggle with this a lot because I am more of a front facing brand now. I am, I am my brand and mm -hmm. that's been really hard to kind of come to terms with because obviously I'm not a shy person. It's not like, I don't think I, I don't think I've ever had a secret to my name. Um, <laughs> pretty much you ask, I'll tell you, but mm -hmm. it's still different. And it's, it's definitely coming from a place of vulnerability that I think mm -hmm. a lot of people start with feeling like, well, somebody's going to call me out or they're going to figure me out. I was talking to somebody about this recently, how I grew up in Florida and all my friends were surfers. Mm -hmm. And I was so afraid in middle school to buy anything from PacSun because I didn't <laughs> want to be called a poser. Right. And I was so, my mom's like, who cares? And I'm like, but I don't surf. And even though I hang out, like right. I didn't want them to call me a poser. 
And I was so worried about that. And I think there's still slivers of that middle schooler in me now that's like, yeah, I do this, but like, I'm not this level or I, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, another thing that we do in some of our sessions is we just try to uh, identify what the obstacles are. And one of the obstacles that comes up for almost every client is um, they're seeing the big picture so much that they're almost embarrassed of the littler steps that it takes to get there. Um, You know, they're just picturing, well, I want to be the professional, you know, at the end of the, um, of the, of the goal. Mm -hmm. Um, but anybody who they're comparing to on Instagram or, you know, comparing to just in, in general, um, didn't just all of a sudden one day be that (laughs) they had all of these steps to get there and they had, you know, the videos that maybe look a little less professional looking that they're going to be embarrassed about 10 years from now, but they have to realize that the people who have the perfect videos that they post had that 10 years before, or uh, gosh, these days it's two or three years. I know the time frame Everything moves so fast. Like very short, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah. So I think that, um, it's just a matter of realizing that you can work towards the goal of that being your vision, but that it obviously takes steps to get there. And everybody has had to take those steps. So you can't compare yourself to like the end goal when you know you, you need the time to, to kind of make your way to get there. And that's going to get, gain you authenticity because people are going to be like, oh, she just, she obviously hired a PR company that did a professional shoot with her and then just became this thing three days later. It's like, no, okay. I remember she started to evolve into the event planning business and then got that first gig. And, you know, so I think that we just have to realize that you, nobody has stepped into being that super professional person. Yeah, there is no such thing as an overnight success. No, that's and if if there is, it was bought and yeah. taught, and you know, yeah, was, the the follower buying and like the paying off PR companies to get on lists of mm-hmm. top ten whatevers is very discouraging uh, for the people that can't bring themselves to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I go back and forth a lot, thinking like, oh well you know, maybe you just need a shortcut. Maybe you got to take one and maybe this is just how it works. And, mm-hmm. and then being like, yeah, well, if that's how it works, I don't want to play. So sure. I'm just going to keep going at this sustainable, you know, slow growth rate and knock mm-hmm. it down on myself. But you know, it's hard. Comparison really is the thief of joy and it's just never worth it. Yeah. Well, and I also, I had another client recently that was really, um, having a hard time with that kind of, um, resenting her peers because she was like, well, you know, her Instagram page is corny and I'm, I don't want to be that. And, you know, was being extremely judgmental Mm. to her peers and, um, you know, not to get too spiritual, but spiritual, but we do realize that like we are magnets for the energy that we put out. So anytime that you are, you find yourself, um, judging, um, people when you're comparing yourself rather than just really thinking like, wow, good for them. Yeah. Good for them. That, wow. I can't wait until I'm at that point. Good for them. Or if it is, you know, maybe it's a post that you didn't like so much. Um, instead of being like, oh, that's so cheesy. We could be like, you know what? Good for them. It's good for them that they did that because we have to realize that, um, you know, when you're judging a bunch of people, what you're really doing is fearing judgment of yourself. And Mm -hmm. you're honestly setting yourself up for that judgment. If your energy is constantly this negative judgy energy, then you are going to attract the judges and you are going to attract the people that are like, 
oh, look at her. She's trying so hard, you know, and all of those like things that we fear um, people thinking if, if we're thinking that about other people, that's what we're going to attract. So I try to make it a practice. Um, and I try to work with my clients to really make it a practice of if you're starting to have those like judgy thoughts or like jealousy thoughts or comparison, um, just realize that you're screwing yourself over because that's the energy you're putting out. So how can you just switch it in your head to be like, that's an energy I would want someone else to send my way. Like, mm -hmm. good for her. You know, like they're not quite there yet, but they're really making progress. You know, it's like you can think of something nice to say about everything. So, um, yeah, I think that's really important in realizing that that's it, there's going to be a comfort and a confidence in that because that's what you're going to then attract. So true. The Southern version of that is bless her heart. Yes. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. And depending on the level of sarcasm you include in that statement, it's more or less genuine. <laughs> but yeah, you can fl just flick it a little different. Like, you know what? Bless her heart. Bless her heart. You know what? Good for her. Good for her. Bless her sweetheart. Yes. But yeah, we do have to realize that, you know, the more that we judge what everybody else is doing or compare ourselves or have jealousy, um, that's we're, we're going to get that judgment back. And that's not going to ease our anxiety about doing it at all. You know, something I read recently was, is this feeling serving you? And mm -hmm. so it could be anxiety, stress, judgment, whatever. Is this feeling serving you? And if you're judging, what is that feeling really doing for your own life? You know, mm -hmm. if you're like sitting here going, oh God, oh, so tacky, like she needs to get her shit together. Like what vibe are you putting out all to your point about getting it back? Not only that, but what, how is that making you feel? Are you feeling better about yourself? Cause usually not even yeah. in that moment when you're judging somebody else, it might feel good for a second. And then you're like, oh, I'm a shitty person. Yeah. <laughs> or we try to say, oh, I'm just venting. Like yeah. I, I, it's okay that I'm gossiping. I'm just venting. It's like, you're gossiping. Yeah. So. <laughs> and really those are moments you'll never get back. And also that person will probably never even know you're thinking that about them or it's sure. like, so it literally serves no purpose. Yeah. It, it's just screwing you over of the energy that you're making a magnet for. <laughs> yeah. No, totally right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like want a part two of this conversation. <laughs> we haven't even chatted about your amazing road trip and all of that, but that's like such a different compartment than mm -hmm. what we've been talking about today. So I'm going to stay on this topic and we're going to wrap up in just a second, but mm -hmm. any final words of wisdom or thoughts on I think the person that's not on the entrepreneurial track or the freelance track, but rather in say corporate America or yeah. an employee, um, you know, is personal branding still something that they can leverage? Absolutely. Personal, everybody has a personal brand, whether we want to admit that or not. This in this day and age, the first thing that people do is they'll Google you or, you know, look at your social media and, um, sometimes we feel rebellious to not pay attention to it or we just feel like, oh, well, I'm not going to be one of those people who's like all obsessed with my social media. But um, ignoring it is only making you look bad because yeah. people are looking and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I'd say for somebody, whether they have a job or as a freelancer, to me, knowing your personal brand and projecting it um, is just planting seeds so that they can, you can see what grows and you can see what manifests. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and personal brand also, it's, it's the inclusive you, it's your work life, it's your personal life, it's what you like, it's what you're into. Mm -hmm. So I think that as far as the whole concept of immersing yourself into everything that you do, um, 
and you know, making finance day fun by dressing up with the perfect outfit and having a cocktail, I think that you can, if you know yourself and know what you like and know what inspires you, even in those little moments, you can immerse yourself into the situation to make you enjoy it better. So that can absolutely be applied to somebody who has a full-time job, a nine to five job, a corporate job. Um, it's really just a matter of like enjoying life more by immersing yourself into it. And to know, to immerse yourself, you have to know yourself. And to me, that's personal branding. So good. So good. Ah, guys, <laughs> we're going to link to all of Rachel's information in the show notes because she, like girl ain't one trick pony. That's all <laughs> Got a lot of stuff and it's all so very true to you. And mm -hmm. you know, if there was ever going to be somebody that was walking the walk and talking the talk on what she teaches, it mm -hmm. is you, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely check out Rachel and, you know, by the time that this airs, maybe you can be out in her mountain cabin with her, like doing a whole brand session. It's Come so out. Good. We will assess yourself so that you can immerse yourself. Come and I see me. <laughs> and there's always a warm, like fireplace and a cocktail nearby. Exactly. So, Gotta have leisure. Make it I fun. Mean, the vibe is going to be on point. That's all you need to know. Yes. Speaking <laughs> of, you better, by the time this airs, you better have been to my house. <laughs> <laughs> I've been once, but I need to come for like a full hang. Yeah. Now that it's, it's done. so good. You guys yeah. go look at pictures of her A-frame mountain cabin. It is absolutely yeah. It's hashtag the leisure lodge. <laughs> God. So good. <laughs> Rachel, always a pleasure. Love you. Thank you. Oh, love you love too. You. So Mwah. good chatting with you. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>